Well, good morning. Grab your seats. One other thing that's worth celebrating today. We've got a saint around here, Miss Jeannie Hansen. She sits in the back of Section 12 each week, and she's 93 years old today. Can we give it up for Miss Jeannie? What a woman. Good gracious. I hope to be 93 years old sitting in the back row worshiping Jesus among you here at New Life Church. So we celebrate you, Jeannie. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew 6. We're in week 6 going through our series called Praying with Jesus, and we're studying through the Lord's Prayer. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. But what I want us to do here at the start is to pray these ancient words. Some of your Bibles, they show up in red, the red letters. Jesus is talking here, and he's teaching his people how to pray and we want to fall back in love with these words of Jesus and to be praying people. So would you join me today at the start of this sermon and let's pray these words that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you so desperately. If we've come here today to hear a tricky talk and to to be entertained, God have mercy on us. We have wasted our time. But if we've come here today to hear the words from the God who from of old is the speaking God, we're gonna be just fine. And so we say, spirit of the living God, speak among us, move among us, walk these aisles and walk our hearts and make us the people of God for the world. We pray that you would challenge those of us. I, one, of, one of my favorite scholars said that a great sermon comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. <laughs> so Lord, we just invite you to comfort the afflicted and for those of us who are comfortable, shake us up in the right holy kind of way. We pray, Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Today, the phrase that we're covering is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, up to this point, this sermon has, or this, this uh, prayer has been beautiful and it's been bright and our Father, whoa, we're, our minds are being retrained and our souls are being retrained to realize that we're living under the great canopy of the Father's blessing and we are his children. And we pray, our Father, you're in heaven, you're powerful, there's no one like you, there's nothing too difficult for you. You're in heaven and your rulership and your authority extends from the east to the west and the north and the south. There is no one like our God and we say because of that, hallowed be thy name let everywhere we walk be holy ground 
Let every person we talk to, let that be a holy conversation. And Lord, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our apartment complex, in our dorm rooms, at our homes, in the neighborhood, Lord, at Walmart and King Supers, as we're living this life you've called us to live, hallowed be thy name. And we ask thy kingdom come and thy will be done. What you're going to do in the end to make the world right, Lord, let that invade this space more and more. Let it come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, you know we're hungry. <laughs> you know we gotta keep the lights on. You know we gotta pay the bills. You know that we need food. We need sustenance. We need provision. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, Lord. Oh, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Please forgive us. And Lord, we know that we've been sinned against. Would you give us that same grace that you've forgiven us? Help us to extend forgiveness to the world. We need food and we need forgiveness and we need to be the forgiving people. Help us, help us, help us. This is what we've been praying. But now here we are and we're saying, lead us not into temptation. This majorly beautiful anthem of prayer now turns to a minor key for a second. There's this brooding darkness, temptation, and deliver us from evil. What this prayer does is it just names the world that we live in. I don't, I don't know if you've been watching, you know, watching the news. Israel and Palestine, what in the world? God have mercy. We need peace. We need deliverance. Wars and rumors of wars and nation rising up against nation. Like Jesus is okay with naming the realities that there's temptation in the world and there's evil in the world and there's darkness in the world and he teaches us to, to, to pray to the Father to be delivered from it. So what I want us to do today is to see three things out of this phrase. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Thought number one, the devil wants to destroy us through temptation. Now we Westerners, uh, here we are in the 21st century, this beautiful thing going on and we've got a longer life expectancy than any society in history and we've got deeper pockets than any society in history and we've got, there's so much that's working. And so in, in moments like this, it's easy for us to read these ancient texts, oh, temptation and evil, and we kind of go, oh, bless their hearts. Those were an old kind of superstitious people. If they had only known what we know now, and if they'd only lived at the time, we, we kind of look back on that and we go, oh, bless their hearts. But I just want to tell you that there is a devil who wants to destroy you. We should never forget that Genesis 3 verse 1, Genesis 1 and 2, this beautiful story, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good, and God saw that it was good, and seven times it says that, but 3 verse 1, it pivots, and it says this about the devil, that the devil... The serpent was more crafty. Everyone say crafty. Crafty, savvy, tricky, uh, seductive, uh, trying to sneak in. The, the devil was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent slithers up and seduces Adam and Eve away. <sighs> Come on, guys. Did God really say? that you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God is, let me just give you some insider information. God is scared of you becoming powerful. God wants to, you know, God wants to protect himself and, and really this place is yours and you just need to live your own truth and you need to write your own story. And what happens is Adam and Eve believe this mess and they start grabbing and taking instead of receiving. 
They start taking the story into their own hands and and the devil slithers up to them and seduces them away into sinfulness. The enemy comes to destroy. And Peter, at the end of the New Testament, one of the disciples who followed Jesus, Peter knew what it was to be seduced by the devil, to deny Jesus three times. But Peter, at the end of his life, had come back home. He was standing up in faithfulness and strength and he said at the end of his life, be alert, church, and of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. I watched some YouTube videos this week of a roaring lion, my Lord. But what I noticed is that these lions, they wander around for a lot of the day and the prey see them and they're just kind of taking naps and they're yawning and they're acting like everything's fine. But then there's just, all it takes is once. All it takes is once for them to get caught off guard and the pounce and it's over. Peter says, do you understand who you're working with here? Like, pay attention. Don't think that this world is just this easy stroll walking through, tiptoeing through the tulips like the enemy is coming to get you. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness to fast and pray in Matthew chapter four. And it says this, it identifies the work of the devil. It says the tempter, his, his, his designation is the tempter. He came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now we just read this as some kind of precious account, but what I want you to see is that temptation always touches us in a place of genuine need. Jesus was hungry. 40 days of fasting and praying. He's on the brink. The devil's got him up against the ropes. Just, ro- just got him in the corner, working him over. And he's saying, hey, Jesus, if you're the son of God, let me meet you in a place of your genuine need with temptation. Tell these stones to become bread. Prove it, Jesus. I don't really think that you're the son of God. I don't really think that you have power. I don't really think that you can level up and, and make this moment happen. The devil always tempts us in a place of genuine need. We need We need money, we're humans. We have genuine needs as human beings. But very often in this moment, we realize that we need money and so some of us resort to bribery or thievery or embezzlement because we think that God's not gonna take care of us and so we have to circle the wagons and make sure that we're gonna be okay. We need intimacy, we genuinely do. Human beings are born and what do they need? They need a mom or a dad to kiss them on the cheek and to swaddle them tight and and to feed them and to sing songs and to tell them that they're loved. We human beings have a need for intimacy but many of us in this moment resort to promiscuity or pornography or perversion to try to to meet that need. We, we, We need security. It's not right for us to feel like we're always threatened and we're, we're on the brink and we do genuinely need that deep security. But in that situation, many of us resort to manipulation and a power grab and stepping on other people to ensure our place. We, we have genuine needs, but I wanna suggest that sin is any attempt to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. We have legitimate needs. God is okay with that. God made us this way. But sin is an attempt to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus, we know you need bread. But Jesus, in that moment, he could have said, God, I need bread, and then cut a corner. 
But what does he do in that moment of legitimate need? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if it kills me, I'll be faithful. And if it kills me, I'll trust you. And if I have to wait 41 days, if I have to wait 42 days, if that God, I trust that you know what I need and I'm going to be faithful to your word and I will not live just by human needs. I will live by the economy and the sustenance of God Almighty. Can you say amen? church we have genuine needs and the enemy comes to us to try to lure us away to to tempt us and to destroy us and so we pray lead us not into temptation deliver us from evil when the serpent slithers up and tries to seduce us away in that moment pray for discernment pray that the holy spirit will show you that the enemy's coming to tempt you and say father i'll live by your word alone i will not live by bread i will not live by the world's economy god lead me not into temptation don't let me be destroyed deliver me from evil that's the first thing the enemy the devil wants to destroy us through temptation the second thing that I want us to see today is that the Lord wants to develop us through testing. Some of you go, temptation, testing, what's the difference? I'll show you simply and quickly the difference between a temptation and a test. The purpose of a temptation is to destroy us and the purpose of a test is to develop us. Sorry, develop us. The purpose of a temptation is to develop us. Okay, any of you ever hiked the incline? Somebody talk to me today. Talk to me, we're a charismatic church. Anyone hike the incline? Woo, okay. I hate the incline. And I also love the incline. I remember moving here 16 years ago and some people, I had just finished college athletics and my wife, she was a college volleyball player. We were 22, we had just gotten married, moved out here and someone told us about this thing called the inline and it's a mile and they were like, you, it's just impossible, you can't do it and, and it's gonna destroy you. I'm like, a mile? mile are you serious you know I'm working with a dad bod now but back then I was fit and I was trim and I was a mile you know what's like the worst case scenario for a mile for me 10 minutes you know 10 minutes some of you haven't hiked the incline because you would be laughing right now Incline is a monster, 2,000 plus vertical feet in a mile. And, 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 and I come from 600 feet you know, above sea level. This is what, crazy out here, 6,000. And so I start running the incline, the bottom steps, for like 11 steps. <gasps> Jesus! <sighs> you know, I was calling an ambulance at the 11th step and I, 40 minutes later, I stumble over the top railroad tie and I make it. But you know, I hate the incline. And I love the incline. Because when you get to the top, you think you're a monster. I am Apollo Ono. I'm a world-class athlete. I can do anything. I just like the incline. Anyone ever felt that? A test, I want you to know that testing is good for us. Testing is good for us, and it's good for the people we were made to serve. It draws out of us the very best. I remember going in to take my ACT. Anyone ever taken an ACT? You know, they say in a foxhole, there are no atheists. You know, out in war, there are no atheists. There are also no atheists in the ACT test room. People who 17 years old never pray and they're praying in the spirit and crossing themselves and anointing themselves with oil. They don't even know what they're doing, but everyone prays in the ACT. The test, you know, will I make it? Will I get, will I pass? Testing is good for us. And imagine a world without testing. Just for a second, like, what would it be like if testing weren't a thing? I think it'd be horrific. 
Imagine sending your kids to school tomorrow morning with teachers that said to your kids, it's no big deal, you know, just spell it how you want to spell it. You don't need to learn how to spell words correctly. Just make it your own, baby. It's your world. We're all paying rent in it. Imagine your kid's math teacher saying to your kids tomorrow at school, math is just an oppressive cultural construct and you've got to write your own story and just make it yours, baby. Live and let live and and it's all fine. That's what you call vocational suicide. That does not work. We are sending our kids out into the world unprepared if we don't test them. Testing is good for us. And it's good for the people that we were made to serve. God says to us, I believe in you so much that I'm going to test you. Testing is good. Imagine yourself, though, going into a surgery with a doctor that's never been tested. Imagine you sending your kids to a school with teachers that have never been tested. Imagine trusting your money to a financial planner that's never been tested. Imagine being represented in the court of law by a lawyer that has never been tested. Imagine getting a root canal, God have mercy, by a dentist who has never been tested. I'm looking at my dentist over here and he is taking great care of me. Thank God he was tested. (laughs) Imagine flying in a plane with a pilot that's never been tested. Imagine listening to a sermon by a preacher that's never been tested. You just don't want to go there. Testing is good for us. Michael Jordan, 1997. Game five of the finals. They're playing the Utah Jazz. Malone and Stockton, the mailman and the greatest assist man in the history of the game. They're balling out and they're on the brink in game five. And Michael Jordan shows up that afternoon. He's got the flu. It's not good. It's not going to happen. What does he do? He goes out that night, out onto the court, and he drops 38 on those jokers. And they win game five and they win game six. And at that point, four-time champion. Testing is good for us. Why? Because it draws out of us the very best of what God has put in us. Let me show you this picture. Anyone remember Miss Carrie Strug? 1996 Atlanta Olympics. My wife Lisa was a 15-year-old girl in the room that night watching this happen. She had jacked up her leg and she's, they're going up against the Russians and the Russians are almost unbeatable. And Bella Caroli, the U.S. coach, is a Russian himself and he's wanting to beat off his old team and, and knock off the old you know, Eastern Bloc and, and he wants to just stick it to the man. And here Carrie is and she's jacked up her, her leg. But she's got to go out for one more routine and if she makes it, they win the gold and she goes out and you know the moment she sticks the landing and she's only got power to stand on one foot and she does and look at her face she's absolutely on the brink and in the moment of testing the very best was drawn out of her friends testing is good for us and it's good for the people we were called to serve okay yes come on yep very good you can act like we're charismatics got this baptist church up in here today wondering if they can clap This is what we see from God all throughout the Old Testament. Hey, hey Noah, let's go. Yeah, I want you to, want you to build a boat. I got something for you, let's go. It's gonna cost you everything and you're gonna feel like a fool and the world's not gonna know what to do with you. Let's go. Hey, Abram and Sarai, 
I know you're living in Ur of the Chaldees and I know it's comfortable because your dad's a landowner and he's got herds and flocks and you've got your future totally mapped out for you and you're fine and you're 75 and you're 65 and this isn't the time for a move, but Abram and Sarai, let me show you, go to a place that I will show you. I've got more for you. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and through your family, you're, you're barren right now and all you want is a child and you can't do it in your own strength, but if you will follow me into the test, I will make you a family that's going to bless all the nations of the earth. Let's go. Hey, Ruth, let's go. Hey, Hannah, let's go. Hey, Esther, let's go. Hey, David, come on. God is the God who loves to make more of us through a test. We act like testing is bad. Oh, God is mad. No, God trusts you enough to test you, to make more of you. Jesus, the son Himself, Matthew chapter four, we see this beautiful moment, the wilderness, 40 days of fasting and prayer. But I need you to see how the story starts. Now Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. We, we typically think of that as a bad moment. No, that Jesus was led by Satan out. No, Jesus was led by the spirit out into the wilderness to be tested by the devil for 40 days and for 40 nights and to be backed up against the ropes because the father knew that the son could make it if he would just stand in faith and in trust. God tests us because he trusts us and he knows that there's more in us to be given to the world. God is the great developer of people. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're not praying to be delivered from testing. We're praying to be delivered from destruction. Let me give you a translation of this phrase because it's, it's kind of puzzled many people through the centuries. What is that? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here's a translation of it. Father, do not put us in a situation where we are bound to fail. Think about an 18-month-old in the church. You've got an 18-month-old kid and you take your kid out to the Manitou Springs incline tomorrow and leave that child at the bottom and say, I'll see you up at the top of Pike's Peak in 12 hours. Good luck. That's not testing. That's tyranny. That, like, we need to call DHS and you need to no longer be a parent. That's bad. God would never do that to us. But God, what we're praying is, Lord, don't take it easy on me, but don't take me to the point where I'm going to break. Don't put me in a situation where I'm bound to fail. I'm going to trust you that you will know what I can do and you will know my limits and Lord, make the very most out of me, but don't put me in a situation where I'm bound to fail. Lead me not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So testing is good for us and it's good for the people we're called to serve. And here's this, if we'll sign up for the test, God will draw out of us the very best. All of the people that I have watched, that I have admired, who have lived a life of faith in front of me or who have lived a life of faith in history and I've read about them, all of them are people who said yes to the test and they followed the spirit out into the wilderness and the father sustained them. If we'll sign up for the test, God will draw out of us the very best. The first thing, the devil wants to destroy us through temptation, but the Lord wants to develop us through a test. But here's the final thing that I want us to see today out of this phrase. It's that the Lord has called us to intercessory prayer. I don't know if you know this, but you were made to be an intercessor for the world. We don't study through the Lord's Prayer so that we can teach you what the scholars have said in the commentaries and go, oh, isn't that nice? Some abstract thing out there. Prayer is this nice little mental ascent. No, we're talking about this prayer because we want to increasingly be the people of God 
who pray and who stand in the gap and who step into the difficult spaces. And this is what Abraham and Sarah were. They were intercessors for the world. God, would you save Sodom and Gomorrah? God, would you please raise up righteous people there? God, would you deliver our nephew Lot because he's been seduced by the enemy and he's drunk on power and he's away. God, have mercy on your people. Moses was an intercessor. He walks into Pharaoh's court and it's gonna cost him his life. And he goes, God says, let my people go. Enough of this. No more. God will bring freedom to his people. And Moses stands in between Pharaoh and the people of God. Why? Because God made us to be intercessors, to step out from the test and to go right up to the brink of it and to say, let my people go. This is what we have been made to be for the world. I can tell you that the Lord has been calling me out personally. I'll just take you into my own prayer time. It's easy, I'm 38. Some of you are like, you look 58. Well, I'm 38. I know I'm bald. I, I got it. I, I made the announcement. I know I'm bald, okay? I'm 38 years old, and what happens is when you get older, a little bit older, some of you are like, oh, bless your heart. You're just like a little teenager, you know? But I'm 38 and I've got a mortgage and I've got three kids and I've got busy life and responsibility. And what I've learned is that the older we get, the, the, the tempter, the devil will make us think that as long as we're paying our bills, we're okay. Stop interceding, that's too hard. Stop paying the price, that's too hard. Stop carrying the cross, that's too hard. Are your pockets deep? Have you paid your mortgage? Do you know where, are you okay? Okay, be okay, just get comfortable. That's why a great sermon afflicts the comfortable. <laughs> Jesus wants to stir us up. And I found myself, it, it, it's, when's the last time you fasted and prayed? When's the last time you gave a gift that scared the heck out of you and you just did it because you knew the Holy Spirit was, was calling you out, was testing you and was leading you into, and, and I've found that it's easy in this moment to get sleepy and to, and to fall, just kind of mail it in and to collapse inward and to circle the wagons and to make sure I'm okay. And the Lord in the last many months is coming, he's been coming to me, he's been rattling me because he loves me. Wake up, Daniel, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine his light on you. Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, and remember your first love, and you remember what you got into this for, and you remember that you used to go to youth camp and fall on your knees and worship and say, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, and though none go with me, still I will follow. I don't care if it costs me carrying a cross. Yes, because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and he's worthy of my life. You get older, and you start getting getting safe and if you're not careful you can start playing it to, to where you, you organize a life around your comfort and Jesus goes come on out with me James and John leave your father's nets and come and follow me Peter come and follow me hey Mary do you want to go for it and Mary says yes and the world has changed friends I want you to know the vocation of the Christian is not to be safe the vocation of the Christian is to hear the call of the spirit to be an intercessor in whatever place God has positioned you and here we are today and we're saying okay Lord don't lead me into temptation and don't put me in a situation where I'm bound to fail but all my chips are on the table and if it costs me everything let's go I have decided to follow Jesus
Ephesians 6, this is what Paul is doing with the Ephesian church. They're getting, you know, they're starting to get their legs under them. They're starting to find a little bit of a claim and the community's starting to get comfortable with the church. And it's very easy to get sleepy at this moment. What does he do at the end? Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You put on that full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This isn't humans you're fighting, but we're wrestling against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. So take up the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you can stand. And having done all to stand, you stand firm with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and put on the belt of truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and take up the shield the faith with which you can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and make sure you got the helmet of salvation on so that your mind is right, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Paul says to the Ephesians, let's go. Wake up. Come on, church, let's pray. And I'm here to say at New Life today, we are made for more than just being nice, comfortable Christians. Oh, bless the world's heart. Oh, let's just be, no, let's pray about what's going on in Israel and in Palestine. And let's pray about poverty in our streets. And let's pray about inner city poverty. And let's pray about gang, look, 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 God have mercy. And you've made us to be intercessors. And we pray your kingdom come and your will be done. And do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil, I heard a story on Friday. Tulsa, Oklahoma, my parents, my dad lived there for 52 years before they moved here 13 years ago. Mom lived there for 30 plus. And when you live in a place that long, they pastored at a church for 20 years, when, you, when you're in a place that long, people start coming to you and saying things like, I've written up my will and I want you to bury me when I die. And so my parents have had lots of people say that to them through the years. And they got a call four weeks ago from a family, five kids, the Schraders, whose parents had said to my parents 20 years ago, we want you to bury us when we die. So Mrs. Schrader was on her hospice bed in their living room. They called in the nurses, they've got the bed ready, the five children are there, and husband Ron was working and, and going hard and his heart is broken, he's losing the love of his life, over 50 years married and all the stuff and Ron is working so hard, he ends up having a stroke and they bring in a second hospice bed and he's now worse than his wife. Five children, two hospice beds in a living room and, and they, they both just died in the last seven, eight days, both of them together. So my parents go out there to do what they asked them to do 20 years ago and they, they, they send them into their rest and they remember them beautifully and the kingdom of, it's just holy ground. But the five children are aching and they've been working so hard and trying to settle in the state. And their oldest son, Joe, he, he owns an LED lighting company. He's in his 50s and he's got 25 employees. And COVID has been good for certain industries, but for his industry and for his business, COVID has caused his business to come to a grinding halt. He's about to bury both of his parents and now he's thinking, I've got to write 25 pink slips for my employees and fire them all and I don't even know if our family's gonna make it. And so he's heartbroken because his business is dying. He's heartbroken because his parents are dying. What? And he walks into their living room one day and there's a First Nation nurse, an Indian woman. And she's there as a hospice nurse doing her job and her job is to make these two people comfortable but she's a woman of God. And she knows the voice of the Spirit. And Joe, the oldest son, walks in and, and the Holy Spirit says to this nurse, you go lay hands on him and pray for him right now. He's on the brink. 
Some people would go, I, I, I'm just supposed to be a wallflower and just do, do my job and uh, I'm not getting paid for that and I'm not being asked and it might actually mean that I lose my job if I be faithful to this. She goes, forget it. Fire me if you want, but the Holy Spirit said, pray for this guy. She goes over to Joe and she says, the Holy Spirit told me to pray for you and he goes, please. And she starts going, Father in heaven, we pray that you would strengthen this man right now and I sense that the enemy is out to steal and kill and destroy and I pray right now that you'd send angels to surround him and keep him safe. I pray you'd lead him not into temptation but deliver him from evil. Lord, we pray that you'd open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on him and you know every single need he has and Lord, we pray that he would lack nothing. Scripture says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed out begging for bread so get him, God. We pray these things. Lead him not into temptation but deliver him from evil. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and she sits down and Joe told my parents he called on Friday he said you know what happened the next day a school district in Oklahoma called me I've never worked with them and they said all of our lights are bad and we need LED lighting in all of our new buildings okay I can do that you know what happened the next day Another school district in Oklahoma called them and they said we need all of our buildings outfitted with new LED lighting. You know what happened the next day? A massive warehouse in Tulsa called them and said we need LED lighting in all of our warehouses. And he said, I went from having to fire 25 people, I've got work for the next two years in front of me. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And that woman, that nurse, that First Nation Indian nurse, she stands up and she shows us what it looks like to be an intercessor in the kingdom of God. We were not made to play it safe. We were not made to mail it in. We were not made to be soft and to kowtow to the snake that slithers up to us to seduce us off into a life of nothingness. We were made to stand up even if it costs us a cross walking up Golgotha, even if it costs us a job, even if it costs us everything. And we say, look, God, you made me to be an intercessor and here we go, let's go. Finally, my brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, you were made to be an intercessor. Jesus, at the end of his earthly sojourn, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are doing what so often we do, falling asleep at the wheel, collapsing into meaninglessness, giving in to the, to the lethargy of the day, and Jesus wakes them up from their sleep, and he says, watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. Friends, we can stand we can stand, we can stand. We don't have to collapse, we don't have to quit, we don't have to be soft. Jesus says watch and pray, and today it's a call to stand back up and watch and pray. Can you say amen? Stand with me today, church. The band is going to come, and we're going to sing right now a great anthem of our church's history. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I'll come back up here in just a minute and we'll receive communion. But we need to sing this together and we're gonna to get to that bridge. We will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so what I want you to do in this moment of worship is to collect up all of your fears. I want you, all the stuff that's haunting you, all the big questions of life and the relationships that are broken and the concerns about the future and the financial anxiety, would you collect up all those things?
that are moments that make you feel like you're going to fall? And would you begin to sing from the depths of your being? Savior, worthy of honor and glory. Savior, worthy of all our praise, you overcame. Jesus, awesome in power forever, awesome and great is your name. You overcame. And so today, Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would fill your people with strength. Fill us with boldness. Make us intercessors for the world again. Wake us, Lord, and, and stir us up and test us and make more of us and show us that you love us so much that you intend to bring the very best out of us. So today, Lord, we worship you. We praise you for you overcame. Seated above, thrown in the Father's love. Destined to die, pour out for mankind. God's only Son, perfect in spotless one. Never sinned, suffered as if he did. There's another part of this story. What is it? That all authority, everything Tory is yours. Yes, it is. And all Sing.
And you're making us overcomers, God. You're making us more than conquerors. We believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Yeah. Let's sing this word. This is just scripture here. It just says that we will overcome. Yep. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. make us more, to strengthen us, to make us unafraid of the challenge and the test. And Jesus is going to feed us before the test. He would never send you out on an empty stomach. He, he's going to take, he's going to make sure you have what you need to live the life he's called you to live. Jesus on the night he was betrayed, getting ready to walk into the greatest test of his earthly life. He takes the bread and he's sitting with his people and he's with us today. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, remember me. What must it mean to remember him? To remember him in the test. He was faithful to his father in the test. So maybe remember me means when your test comes, 
Remember that you can do it with my strength. So Jesus, we receive today. We receive your strength and your power and your, your help to make it through. You may receive the bread, saints. Imagine the darkness of that hour, Jesus knowing what's coming just hours from now. He's gonna be betrayed. He's gonna be disassociated with, his people are gonna scatter and he's gonna go stretch out his arms and be crucified. And he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. And it's given for the remission of your sins, AKA every time the tempter has seduced you away and led you into destruction, I have made atonement for that. I have forgiven you. I have taken care of it. You're okay. There's a new covenant. Get back up. Let's go, says Jesus. And so Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Who are you that you would love us? How merciful are you that you would forgive us? How kind are you that you'd put us back together and send us out light for this broken land? So Jesus, we receive forgiveness today. Saints, you may receive the cup. I just called an audible here and I wanna invite my friend Mr. Melvin, Woody Woodhouse, he's been around here forever. And he's gonna come up on the stage and he's gonna pray the benediction over us. Mr. Woody, come on up. This is a man of God. He and his wife served faithfully in the military for how many years, sir? 26 for me, 30 for her. 30 for her, 26 for you. Come on up here. Right here in the center, you take this place amen, as a man amen. of God. I've watched them live faithfully here. I've been here 16 years, and I don't remember a time without them being pillars in this house. So would you open your hands and receive the blessing that a man of God like this can only give. Pray us out today, brother. Amen. As we've heard a word from God through your servant, you want us to go, to go out, to be light yes. in a world that's growing dark, yes. to be salt in a world that needs flavor. Yes. And so you've empowered us through the power of the Holy Spirit to go. So new life, when you leave this sanctuary and you go out into our workplace, which is the world, yes. I want you to carry Christ with you in the workplace, in the marketplace, in your communities, in your neighborhoods, yes. in your homes. You do not go out defeated, you are conquerors and you're more than conquerors. Let's start living up yes. to what God has called us yes. to be yes. in a world that so definitely need us to be who we are. Yes. We are Christ, we are Christians, yes. and they will know that we are His by our love for one another. Mm -hmm. So go out, be empowered, be encouraged, and be blessed. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey, give it up for Woody Woodhouse. Amen. Love you. Thank you for coming. Church, I want to invite the prayer team to come down. Hey, I just got to take a second. I don't want to be in a church without people like Woody Woodhouse, right? People of God who know the Spirit. So if you see him and his wife out, buy them a cheeseburger sometime. 
I want to invite the prayer team to come down and pray. If you have any needs, we would love to stand with you and agree with you in prayer. If you're new, come see us at Connect Central. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.